Hello, and welcome to the Women's Mind Body Health Podcast. On today's episode, we are giving you tools to choose wisely in the supermarket, talk about which additives and preservatives we may really need to leave out, learn how to understand food labels, find out the best way to figure out how much sugar is in a product, and decipher what bread names actually mean. April Wright. I'm the voice of the people slash producer here on the podcast, and I'm with Kim Connolly, the dietitian down under. Kim gets many questions in her practice surrounding food labels and how to separate out the better from the bad when it comes to packaged food, and she's here to let us in on what we need to know. So today we're going to talk about how to choose wisely when you're in the supermarket. Ideally, we want to eat when we're, when we're eating foods, we want to eat whole foods and have them as minimally processed generally as possible to get good health benefits from them. Um, but of course, there are times when we need to choose package items. So the point of this podcast today is to have a little bit of a look at what you can determine from the package to help you decide whether something is a good choice for you or not. And I just want to provide you with some a breakdown of some of the tools that are available to you so that when you go and are looking for some lunchbox items or um, something from the packaged area, how you can make good choices. Ideally, when we go to the supermarket, we want to try and eat around the outside of the supermarket. Right. And and by that, I mean um, that's where most of our fresh produce is, our minimally processed stuff. So things like our fruit and veggies and our meat section and our our delis and our cold food section, they're all great places to shop. Um, But when we get into the middle part of the supermarket, that's where a lot of our packaged foods are. And the the intent of today's podcast is really to to give you some tools so that you can decipher that information and and make some choices for yourself. Great. That's what we need to know. Yeah, so that, that's the tricky part. All right, so how can we make good choices when it comes to processed um, or packaged food? So on the, on the package label of foods, there's lots of information there and sometimes it's really overwhelming and, and part of marketing um, might well be to try and encourage you to buy a particular product based on a claim that's being made. So there's a lot of information on there and... The idea is to break that down into into certain bits of information that can be useful to you. So there are a number of tools that we have on a food label that can give us some really good insight into what's in the product we're about to buy. Uh, there's an ingredient list, and the ingredient list has to be on the on the um, product. And um, in the ingredient list, you'll find a list of everything that is that is a food or an additive or preservative within the product and that list is by weight so the item that has the greatest weight is the first thing on the ingredient list and that goes all the way down to that which has the least weight so we tend to look at those particularly those first three ingredients because that's going to have the majority of the makeup of the product as well as, um, of course, information about preservatives and additives, and we'll talk about those in a minute. But there are some other tools that are on there as well, um, and that includes the nutrition information panel, and that that little boxed area 
on the product tells us things like how many calories or kilojoules uh, are in the product, what what type of fat is there, whether it's a saturated fat or a um, or or not, whether there's any added salt. Sometimes you'll get information about fiber, but um, in Australia that's not mandatory. Okay. Um, and uh, you'll have information about carbohydrates and sugars on there as well. And then there's an allergy declaration. So now that um, we're seeing increases in, in allergies to foods, things like gluten and milk uh, and soy uh, and other allergens are in a, in a declaration on there as well, uh, nuts as well. Mm. We've also got a use-by date and a best-before date typically on a product and the product will also give us the the weight of the actual product as well Um, and in Australia we've we've also got this health star rating on our products which is a fairly new innovation so we're going to delve into those sections a little bit more because that can really give you some good insight into what you're actually purchasing all right so let's let's start with our ingredient list okay so as I said before, on the ingredient list, you'll have products by weight. So I, I've got, for example, in front of me a crisp bread, so like a, a cracker sort of um, product. Okay. And if I have a look at the ingredient list and check out the first three things that are on there, I can see that it has plain white flour mm-hmm. as its first ingredient, raisins, and then pecans, and then it goes on to list things like um, other nuts and seeds, some sugar, some honey, some bicarb, sea salt, and citric acid. If I were looking at this, I would look at those first three ingredients and go, right, the main ingredient is plain white flour, mm-hmm. and then there's 4% raisins and 5% pecans in there. So they're the biggest proportion of that product. So basically this is a cracker that is predominantly white flour. Mm-hmm. On on a different product, I've also got a list of um, ingredients, but it now has numbers on there. Sometimes our preservatives and additives are listed as numbers and sometimes they're actually listed as the preservative or additive. But the numbering system gives us some good information on on what has actually been added into the product. So these these numbers, uh, and we've included a PDF of this because it does get a little bit confusing. Yeah. Uh, and in particular, we've included a PDF that, that um, has the additives and preservatives that are most likely to be an irritant to some people. Now, this has been taken from the, uh, this list has been taken from the uh, work of the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital there their allergy unit and they've put out a list of additives to be avoided for people who are on their elimination diet. So these these preservatives and additives don't necessarily need to be avoided by you but it just gives you an indication of the ones that might be creating a problem in some people. Mm. So certainly you don't have to go out and avoid all of these but it's just being aware that for people who do have food intolerances these particular numbers are more likely to create an issue for people. So we've added that in as a PDF on a little sort of wallet size card so that you can take that to the supermarket and just be generally a little bit more aware of, of um, some, of the, some of the additives that might be a problem. Mm. 
So the additives are based, the numbers, sorry, are based on an international number system. Okay. And the the numbers in general, if you're looking at numbers on, a, on that ingredient list, if they're between 100 and 199, then that that's the colours number. The, uh, sorry, the number for colours, and there are some of those that are more more problematic in people. Um, typically, well, predominantly it's the artificial colours, um, but there are a couple of natural colours as well that can cause problems for some people. Then the next bracket of numbers is the 200 to 299 series and that's our preservatives so when you've got a, um, a product on the shelf you have to preserve its life so that it doesn't doesn't go foul um, and create illness and there are a number of preservatives that are used by food industry to do this and as I pointed out before this is not necessarily a problem for everyone but these ones that we've listed are the ones that are that are more likely to be irritants to some people then the next bracket of numbers is the 300 to 399 series and the, these are the antioxidants and your acidity regulators. So once again the antioxidants are there to preserve uh, the product and, um, and to control the acid levels in the product as well. Uh, and our final group of numbers that uh, is on the uh, additives to be wary of are the, there's some in the 600 to 699 series and these are the flavor enhancers and and uh, some of you might be aware of these so MSG and other other compounds that do create a problem in some people and then just a couple of other groups so these we don't have any of these numbers listed on our uh, on our food additives that may be problematic but just some to be aware of are the series of numbers that pertain to antibiotics that are added in our products because a lot of us now we sort of want to be aware of when there are antibiotics added to our products yeah uh, so the 700 to 799 series are your antibiotics and then your sweeteners so your artificial sweeteners are the 900 to 999 series so what we've done, rather than list all those out, because that would be dead boring, is to put out a little PDF of the ones that are more likely to be a problem. But as I said, they're not necessarily so. So if you feel that you've got any issues, then um, then by all means be aware of what's out there, but take it to, take it to an expert. Um, so someone who can help you determine whether some of these or many of these are a problem for you or your family. Right, and we should mention that in North America we don't often see numbers on food, but in Australia and the UK there's numbers instead of words. Yes, often. absolutely. Yeah. So all of these numbers have a um, obviously relate to a particular ingredient, um, right. a particular ingredient, and and you can decipher them depending on where you are um, based on that number. So there's a there's a list of those numbers and then what they mean. And a simple search of the internet should deliver something like that. But we might also try and put something up um, as well, a link to to a site that can help you to to look at that number that we've given you on that little card and go, oh, what is this? So that if you've got a, a system that doesn't actually have the numbers, you can still have a look and go, yeah, that might that might be a problem for me or or no, that's likely not to be an issue for me. Right. So that's just to help you 
really get a, a feel for what's in this product that you're eating. And it doesn't hurt to have a quick look at the ingredient list. Obviously, when there's all these numbers, it just doesn't make any sense at all. But if you've got this little card, you can then you can at least eliminate. Right. Uh, you can look at a product and go, oh well, none of these numbers are actually on this card, so that's there's probably unlikely to be something that irritates me from the additive and preservative side of things anyway in this product. Yeah, for me, something like this really made a big difference because I avoid all red colors. Yeah, yes. sure. So I know if I have something with red, I'll get a headache. Wow, yeah. So that, and once again, I guess that comes back to perhaps using that that first, um, in that first pod, pod, podcast that we did, we talked yeah. about tracking how you feel after you eat things. So you might have something and 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 go, oh my goodness, I've got a headache all of a sudden. Yeah. Now, one, a one-off doesn't mean that it was something you ate, but if you're starting to see a pattern where you're mm-hmm. repeating yeah. that food and every time you get a headache, you might want to have a closer look at the ingredient list and go, right, it, it, does that match anything on this card? Mm-hmm. Because some of those things might be um, creating that problem. Once again, you know, see, seek out health professional advice around that so you can you don't avoid foods unne- or, or ingredients unnecessarily as mm-hmm. well. All right, so... The ingredient list gives you a, a good idea of, of what's in the actual product, but it doesn't tell you anything about, you know, the quantity of the calories in it or the, you know, if you've got to, if you're trying to avoid large amounts of sugar. So where you will find that information is actually the nutrition information panel. Okay. So the, the two things that I'm primarily looking at when I pick up a product off the shelf is to have a bit of a look at the ingredient list but also to look at the nutrition information panel. Now that information panel includes uh, a number of things that we can go through just briefly to give you a bit of an idea of of how to interpret that. So the nutrition information panel will give you information generally by two columns. So there are two columns on there Um, and when I'm helping people understand this information I say look for the column that says per serve and then look for the column that says per 100 grams. Now there might be other columns which says if you add milk then this is what it is or mm-hmm. or percentages but really the per serve and the per 100 grams gives you good information when you're trying to work something out. Now the per 100 grams is very valuable in that it can tell you the whether something's significantly different between two of the same product so if you're looking at two breakfast cereals if you look at the per 100 gram column you can identify which breakfast cereal has more added sugar for example and we're going to have a closer look at that um, as to how to interpret that because that's probably something that in the community we're becoming a lot more aware of is trying to avoid a lot of added sugar in our products so I'll focus quite a bit on that but I'll just give you a little bit of a, an overview of what the nutrition information panel will tell you. The first thing it will do is tell you how many serves are in that product. So if you've got um, something like a, a box of individual sachets of porridge and there's eight, eight sachets, then typically there's going to be eight serves in that box. And it'll tell you the weight of each of those serves as well. So they might be 30 or 40 grams per serve. And so you'll have servings per package and it'll either be one because it's the whole package or it'll be 
eight in this case, um, in that example. And then it will tell you the serving size of the weight of each of those individual serves. So in the per serve column and in the per 100 gram column, you're now going to get information so that you'll get the servings per package and you'll get the weight of that serving. And that information is typically just under the title of whatever the product is in the information panel. Then you'll have these three columns and the columns will be a column that tells you the energy, the protein, the fat, and depending on what country you're in, whether it's um, it might then break the fat down into saturated fat and then trans fats. Um, many products in Australia do include information on trans fats, but not all countries do this. Canada combines them, yeah. Canada combines it within the fat itself, mm-hmm. yeah, the total fat. And then carbohydrate. So carbohydrate is the next group and that can that will have total carbohydrate and then we'll also have sugars listed in that as well. And sometimes you, um, products will include fibre but it's as I said before, it's not mandatory in Australia to include your fibre. And then sodium or, um, and that relates to the salt that's in the product. Okay, so all of that information is on the nutrition information panel and it's it's mandatory to include a nutrition information panel just right. as it is to include an ingredient list. Sometimes you'll pick up a product that's really tiny mm-hmm. and if that's the case, then um, the information will be on the box that has all of those small individual packets in it. Um, and then the, other, the only other time we don't have to include that, that NIP, Nutrition Information Panel, is on fresh produce. So you won't find it on your fruit and veggies and you don't always find it on a, a packaged meat unless it's right. a, um, a processed meat. So we've got all of that information there and we've got it per serve and per 100 grams. So there's not a great deal um, that I'm going to talk to you about in terms of energy or protein, but I'll just touch on um, fats and carbohydrates because okay. that's the that's the area that people are most looking at um, when they pick up a product and go, well, you know, there's been a very strong message to avoid fat and, and saturated fat and now this message about sugar. So I'm going to focus on those because they're probably the, the more important and, and confusing bits of information. Right. So total fat in the per serve is simply the amount of fat that is in that particular serve of product. If it is uh, per 100 grams then that tells us the percentage really how much how many grams of fat in 100 grams or or a percentage so if it's got 10 grams of fat in that 100 grams then it's 10 10% fat in that product what we've focused on in the last decade or so is the amount of saturated fat in a product and the general guideline has been that saturated fat is 3 grams per 100 grams or less so trying to reduce the saturated fat in the diet. So once again, we're looking at that second column, the per 100 grams, mm-hmm. saturated fat, 3 grams per 100 grams or less has been the, the guideline, okay. uh, at least in Australia and North America and in Europe. The trans fat is the fat, the type of saturated fat that is strongly associated with cardiovascular disease and ill health. So that's probably greater of greater concern and um, in Australia if you've got the saturated fat listed you'll often see the trans fat underneath 
And when it comes to trans fat, what we're trying to do is keep that amount under one gram per 100 grams. So less than a gram per 100 grams. So less than 1% of the product uh, to consider it um, safer than, than those products which have more trans fat. So there's definitely a um, an association that we see between trans fats and ill health. Mm-hmm. As to saturated fat, that's become a little bit more confused in the scientific literature, but still the guideline at the moment is three grams per hundred grams. Um, but trans fats, definitely no one disagrees on keeping that under the 1% where possible. Okay. So that's talked about fat. Now let's look at carbohydrate because um, a question that often comes up for me is how do I know how much sugar's in this product and it's actually not not a simple question to answer which is why um, I think it causes some confusion so if we just reflect on what a carbohydrate is if we're looking at the total carbohydrate per 100 grams then a product that has carbohydrate including starches and sugars will include all of that as the as the total carbohydrate so all starches and all sugars are added together and that's just the the content so for example in the product i'm looking at which is a cereal which contains oats and if i'm looking at the total carbohydrates in that product then there's 56 grams per 100 grams or in other words around about 50 percent so half of this product is carbohydrate under the carbohydrate, you'll see a little sub a subsection which says sugars. So this is where it gets a little bit confusing because sugars, we tend to think of sugar as being table sugar. Right. So sucrose, anything that ends in O-S-E, O-S, is typically mm-hmm. a sugar. And sugars we think of as table sugar, but that's not what the sugars means on the nutrition information panel. So the sugar component is is all forms of sugar. So it will be milk sugar, lactose. Mm -hmm. It will be table sugar, sucrose. But it will also be any fruit or dried fruit that's in the product, so fructose. Um, So these are the simple sugars, and they're all added together under this one amount called sugars. So in the case that I'm looking at, I've got total carbohydrates of 56 grams, but total sugars of 15 grams. So um, the actual sugars in the product are 15 grams but that is not going to be simply added sugar that's also going to be some fruit and maybe some milk if there's some milk in the product so then I have to go back to the ingredient list and just have a quick scan and see if I've got fruit in in this product and in the case that I'm looking at I do because I've got some berries in this um, in this product as well so looking at the ingredient list I have the oats and then the second ingredient is fruit so I've got some berries and cranberries and the cranberries actually have a a bracket around them because they're cranberries and sugar and sunflower oil so they they're a a blended product if you like Um, and then I can go further down and I can see sort of at the very bottom there is some raw sugar as well so there's another source of sugar in there but there's no milk sugar So I've got sugar from the fruit and I've got sugar that's added, so the sucrose that's added, and that together makes up that 15 grams. Now, I can't tell from that which, you know, what component is is table sugar and what's actually fruit sugar, Mm -hmm. except by looking at the ingredient list and going, right, well, 
the fruit is at the very top. It's the second ingredient right. and the sugar is less than 3% because when I looked down there, the last ingredient that was labelled at 3% was, was some coconut that was added. So um, I've got less than 3% of that product is sugar because I know it's it's further down the list than that. So it's at least less than that in the product. But that's as good as you can get in terms of knowing what the, what the amount of added sugar is. Okay. Having said that, if we wanted to reflect on, well, what, is, what does that mean in terms of table sugar, for example? If I was to say that, yes, there's some fruit sugar in there and there's some table sugar in there, and how much sugar have I got in total? Well, if I wanted to try and compare that to table sugar, um, then if I were looking at the amount, of, the number of teaspoons of sugar that would be to the body, even though it is part of it is fructose and part of it is glucose, then I would say, okay, a, a metric tablespoon, uh, sorry, a metric teaspoon of sugar has four grams of sugar in it. So when I, if I was trying to think a little bit about how much of an effect that sugar has on my body, I would say, well, there's, there's about 15 grams. Yes, I know some of it's fruit, um, but that's the equivalent of, of nearly, um, well, every, every metric teaspoon is four grams. So mm-hmm. fours into 15 go nearly four. So there's about, there's about four teaspoons equivalent of sugar coming from that product, even though I know some of it's fruit. So there's not much more we can do in terms of understanding the added sugar in our food except to look at the sugars, which is part of the the total carbohydrate. So total carbohydrate includes all of that, but the sugars will actually be those simple sugars. And all we can do is is get a bit of a comparison um, and look at that compared to, you know, teaspoons of actual sugar that we're eating. But of course, physiologically, they can have a a slightly different effect in the body. Obviously, if it's got more fruit in it than it has added sugar, that's that's a better objective for us as well. So, yeah, we can't get really down to the nitty gritties um, in the sugar because Mm. there's not that much information on the on the nutrition information panel and there's a reason for that because it's really expensive to tease that out and put that information in there for food labelers so um, that's as good as we we've got for now anyway all right so we've looked at fat and saturated fat as a portion of total fat and we've looked at total carbohydrate and sugar as a portion of that total carbohydrate now something else that causes confusion or a couple of things that cause confusion in in people because we have the internet now we're looking at you know products in different countries as well so in Australia for example when we report carbohydrates we're reporting them net or without any fiber within them but in North America for example the total carbohydrates includes the fiber so we don't report that in Australia because the fiber is not absorbed that's the whole the whole concept of fiber is that it, it is not absorbable and it goes down and it, to the large bowel and gets excreted. So because it's not taken inside the body, mm-hmm. it doesn't form part of the energy from the total carbohydrate. Although having said that, a little bit does form part of the energy, but not as much as carbohydrate does. So in Australia, when we're talking about total carbohydrates, we talk in net meaning that if you were in the US for example your carbohydrate on the label would have 
your total carbohydrates and it would have your fiber listed and in order to find out what the net effect or what the net amount of carbohydrates is Mm -hmm. you would have to subtract the fiber from the total to find out what net is in Australia that's already done on the label and as I said we don't always record fiber on our label so we look at net carbohydrates Um, something else that often comes up or people people ask me is uh, when we're talking about milk and we say that, oh, this is a, a reduced fat or a skim milk, and they say, mm-hmm. well, why is there more sugar in my milk? Someone's added sugar to it. And I go, well, no, no one's added sugar necessarily to your milk um, unless it's a flavoured one. What what happens when you r- reduce the amount of fat in um, 100 mils of a product? It means that you increase the other ingredients that are the other components of the milk. So milk's um, made up of protein fat and lactose which is the milk sugar and so when you take the fat out it means you've got a bit more protein and milk sugar as a result because you've removed part of that product and you've increased the amount of protein and natural sugar that's left there so when we see that we're reading once again total carbohydrates and you look at sugars and this is just milk um, you'll see that the sugar is slightly higher if you've got a lower fat product and that's simply taking the fat out means you've concentrated the natural sugar that's left there so you'll get a little bit more sugar in that case um, and no one has typically added sugar to your milk (laughs) and I guess that talking about sugars there's something else that we need to be aware of is that sugar has many names so um, in Australia we tend to use um, table sugar or sucrose or, or other names as well dextrose and other other oses which represent sugars and in North America there's been a a much greater reliance on high fructose corn syrup which is a a sugar as well so there are I think there are something like 50 different names for sugars so reading the ingredient ingredient label uh, doesn't really tell you all of those because there are so many names but looking at sugars as part of your total carbohydrate gives you a bit of an inclination of how much simple sugar is in this product but you've got to remember that milk and fruit are part of that simple sugar Um, and so is honey which is fructose just like fruit sugar is fructose and maple syrup (laughs) indeed yes sorry for the Canadian there (laughs) all right so I hope that gives you a little bit of um, information about using the nutrition information panel and the ingredient list together to really identify you know, something that you might be interested in, such as added sugars or the type of fat that you're consuming within a product. So when you're reading a nutrition panel, what do you avoid? Or if you read something and you, and you see an ingredient, is there something that you're like, nah? I typically, you know, I like to have as few preservatives and additives. So I will look on, uh, I will look for things and that's a very good point. There are often um, labels on the box and marketing labels such as um, no added preservatives or no additives. I like a product to have neither additives Mm -hmm. or preservatives if I can Mm -hmm. um, or artificial, I should say, additives or preservatives. Um, But then... I would default to that little um, elimination diet card and go, okay, I just want to make sure there's none of the major problematic ones there. So um, for many years, I used to carry that little card around in my wallet just to give myself a bit of an idea of whether there were 
foods that are more likely to create food intolerance reactions and right. things. And I think you tend to do that when you've got kids because yeah. you're, you're just trying to avoid um, anything that might be a problem. Um, so that typically I'll go for no artificial flavours or colours where I can and of course um, as many natural ingredients as I can see on that list. Mm-hmm. So I want to see, you know, if I, if I look at a jar of pasta sauce, I want to see that it's got um, tomatoes and herbs and spices and some water and um, not very many preservatives and additives right. um, and also um, not a lot of added sugar because uh, I know in Australia we have you know, a varying amount, but I still like to look at the amount of sugar that's added in there. Yeah. Um, and um, so I'll look in the ingredients list for where the, the sugar appears. Um, something that's worth knowing when you're looking at, a, at a, a milk or a yogurt, if you're trying to work out the added sugar in those, mm-hmm. um, milk sugar, the lactose in milk is, is around about five grams in a hundred. So if you look at the look at the sugars per 100 grams and you see that this product is around 5 grams, it's straight milk or it's a plain yogurt, then that's all milk sugar. There's nothing added to it and you can add it added to it and you can check that in the ingredient list by just looking at that and going, oh yeah, I can't see any sources of added mm-hmm. sugar. So if you want to then um, look at one that's flavoured, you might have a look once again at that same sugar per 100 grams and go, okay, what's the difference between the amount? It might be 15 grams per 100 grams and what should be there from the milk itself and that's about five. So your added sugars are about 10 grams per 100 grams. Of course, some of that's going to be um, fruit if there's fruit in there but some of it's going to possibly be added sugars, so as in table sugar or high fructose corn syrup. So it just, there's nothing, as I said, it's not simple to do, but you can still get a feel for those products which have a lot less added sugars. And the simple way around that is to buy a plain yogurt and add your own fruit because you know what's going in it then um, rather than buying a, a flavoured one off of the shelf so there are ways to to limit that and and the best way is of course to make it yourself because you know what's yeah. going in the product yeah for me what I usually avoid my first thing I look at is canola and soy because I'm trying to avoid anything genetically modified yeah so I that's the first thing I look at and then sugar and those are the things so once I take those out, I don't have many options left. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're making things a lot from scratch. Yeah. And of course, yes, the whole GM sort of field is a is another um, something else that we don't have. We don't know a huge amount about either. Mm. But genetically modified genetic modification is is natural in some in some sense in that you know different species have evolved um, of our fruit and veggies which are hardier but then there is some manipulation of that too and we and we simply can't know the downstream the full downstream effect of that so yeah, um, yeah it's certainly a, a bit of a minefield and, and we won't go there today yeah. for sure <laughs> all right so the last thing that you'll see on um, on a product is the use by date and the best before and these confuse people sometimes too right so a use by date is a firm date so if you've got a use by on something then shouldn't be eating it past the use by date or you risk um you risk and uh, you know getting being sick. yeah getting sick from, yeah. from some from some um, bacteria or or something else so they can't guarantee the product past the use by date right 
But the best before date simply means that the ingredients may not be as good a quality as when the product was first made. So you get a deterioration in the product. So you don't necessarily get, um, it's not necessarily a health risk, but what's happening is you don't get the same benefit from the product as they guarantee earlier on in the product life, so before that best before date. Right. So use by as a firm date, best before, I guess there's a little bit of fuzziness about it because all you're doing is getting um, a bit less quality, I guess, right. um, guaranteed from your product. The last thing is that allergen declaration as well. Mm. So now you'll find on on products there will be an indication as to whether there are any allergens. And the primary allergens are your gluten or wheat mm-hmm. for some people, um, dairy, soy, nuts, fish and eggs. Um, and they tend to be the, the components of foods that create more of a problem for those who have allergies to food. So recognising this, there is an allergen declaration on there and and sometimes it says may contain traces of. Mm-hmm. Now, um, that means that if you're very sensitive to those, you might still have a problem. It also might mean that there's been some form of contamination and by that I mean that you know there might if it's nuts for example there's no added nuts in that product but it may have been on a conveyor belt that had nuts on it so there might be trace amounts of it in that in that product Mm. and you'd typically see that in things like muesli bars where some muesli bars do have nuts and then some are without nuts but because they're using the same processing plant then there's the there's a there's a small risk of contamination there so just being aware of the difference in um, in that allergy declaration, so whether there's something actually in the product or whether there's trace amounts potentially in the product um, and depending on your sensitivity as to how you interpret that information. So the last thing that um, I'll just touch on is uh, around breads because something else that I get asked is, um, which, is it, which is the best bread that I should choose? Mm-hmm. And... Um, that that really depends on you, but uh, there are some ways to know whether you're getting more nutrient within a bread or not. So if you're looking at the ingredient list once again it, of a of a um, packet of bread, it will tell you what sort of flour is used, and there's a difference between whole wheat flour and plain wheat flour and um, whole grain flour. So whole okay. wheat is also whole meal, if you like. It's whole like meal. Being politically correct. Yeah, bread. that's right. The politically correction, correct breads. So if we look at the different products, this will give you a bit of an idea. So we can have plain white flour, and that's pretty pretty self-explanatory. So right. that's white white flour. Right. Then we can have whole wheat or whole meal flour. So whole meal flour is made from whole grains that have been ground up to a fine texture and that can give it a plain gives it a plain sort of brown appearance mm-hmm. and it can it contains more fiber than the white flour does. Um, and it's got a few more vitamins and minerals because more of the grain is within it. Whereas whole grain bread contains the entire grain so the bran the endosperm or the starchy middle layer and the germ and it's got once again more nutrient again it's also got a bit more protein in it typically because you've got it's like a seed or a grain that's got more protein in it so you're including that and being a seed or a 
Um, You've also got a bit of fat in there, so that's where we get seed oils from, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a bit of fat in there too. So it's typically got a little bit more fat and some vitamins and mineral and more fibre again. So whole grain bread tends to be denser. Um, And then, of course, you can add grains back to the bread. So um, you can have a multigrain, which is typically a white flour with the grains added in, Mm -hmm. but you can also have a whole grain with grains as well. So they tend to be the really dense, heavy breads with the the seeds within them too. Um, And then, so we've got plain white bread, we've got whole meal and whole wheat, which is the ground up grain, and then we've Mm -hmm. got whole grain, which has the... The whole meal, if you like, with some grains as well okay. um, added in. And then we've got things like a, um, a sourdough bread. So uh, so sourdoughs have a bit, are a bit more acidic and they tend to be denser. But not all sourdoughs are made through the fermentation process. So right. if you're looking for a, a real sourdough, um, and a real sourdough is one where there's no yeast used. So you won't find yeast in the ingredient list. Mm-hmm for a real sourdough um, and you basically ferment that product for a few days in order to increase the acidity and allow it to rise through the the action of the bacteria um, creating gases in the in the bread and then, you, hungry. and then you <laughs> and then you bake it so um, your your sourdough has some value in that the acids slow down the release of the glucose out of your gut and that makes it a lower glycemic index or a slower release product for you. So that tends to be a much denser bread mm. and it's got a, a slightly sour taste to it. But not as I said, not all sourdoughs are done that way and there are ways around that. So if you're looking for a true sourdough, it won't have yeast in the ingredient list. Right. Right, so that that's probably enough for for breads and enough for today. I imagine I'm sure your heads are spinning already. Yeah. So if you have any questions about this um, and other ingredients, feel free to ask us on Patreon if you're part of our community there, or go to the Dietitian Down Under Facebook page. One thing I've kept in mind when in the shop or the supermarket is the words natural and organic and things like that because at least in Australia I know that those words don't have to describe the product but they can be used as marketing terms. So that is one thing to keep an eye out for Um, when you are shopping you have to look at the ingredient list not just what it says on the front. Absolutely so if there's a claim of any sort made about a product on the packaging um, then it must be Um, elaborated on in the ingredient list so they've got to say you know for example if it's light then it must in if something is light you might assume it's light or lower in fat but it may actually be the texture um, or it might be the color so if there's a any sort of a a claim like that that can cause confusion at least here in Australia then um, it must be elaborated on somewhere on that label as well I know that they have to do that in Canada so it's probably standard yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. But watch out for those marketers. <laughs> yeah. Yes, be careful that you you are getting what you think you're getting. Yeah. Okay, so we did pile a lot of information into this podcast today, but I hope it does help you in making the choices you want to make in the supermarket. For show notes for this podcast and to get the additives to avoid card, go to dietitiandownunder.com slash labels. You can also find links to us on social media and Patreon here. 
As we are new to podcasting, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe so that future episodes are delivered to you effortlessly. Thank you for listening and we hope you have a wonderful week.